All right, it's the Keef to the City Rangers podcast, and the Rangers win again. That's really all they've done of late. That's really all they've done all season, as they are now 13-4-3 on the season with their win over the Bruins on the day after Thanksgiving. And it was an impressive win, and it uh, it was a little odd to see a day after Thanksgiving Rangers-Bruins game without Henrik Lundqvist in net, without Tuka Rask in net. Certainly a different era for both teams here. The Rangers trending up on the upswing here of this rebuild and what's really no longer rebuild given their production, given their success this season. And the Bruins, on the other hand, sort of on the downswing here where they've been the last few years where this roster for them is, is now, um, you know, built around one line, built around really one defensive pair, no longer can be built out from the net out with the goalie situation they have. So much different situation for both teams right now, much different future, at least in the short term for both teams right now. Um, and the Rangers took care of business against a team that they normally have problems with, a team they had problems with all last year for as weird of a year it was, and a team they usually have problems with. And to get down early, come back, to get down again, to come back, and then to sort of blow the game open there at the end and what was a 5-2 win, an impressive win. And it wasn't an Islanders team that's banged up through injuries and COVID protocols. It wasn't a bad Ottawa team that they could come back against. It wasn't Columbus who they usually handle. It wasn't Montreal. It was a good win. And and no, the Bruins aren't what they used to be, but it still was a good, solid, impressive win, especially given how flat they were to come out in that first period, how much they were really dominated. I think shots were like 17 to three, maybe even 19 to three at one point. Uh, but they get that goal there in the last five seconds of the first period, the Ryan Strom goal. And that sort of changed the mood. And Gerard Gallant, who I guess is now going by Gallant <laughs> after referring to him as Gallant, as everyone has for his entire professional career, both as a player and as a coach. And now it's Gallant, so it'll take some getting used to, just like took some getting used to to say Brad Marchand instead of Brad Marchand, who <laughs> had an odd run-in with Artemi Panera, and I'm sure more will come out of that the next time the Rangers play and uh, the media can try to gather some more information on what went down there with Panera and throwing his glove. And it's... It's rather disappointing, it's rather disgusting that a $5,000 fine was issued, which is the same monetary fine that Tom Wilson got for essentially sucker punching Artemi Panarin, smashing the back of his head into the ice, helmetless, uh, but that's that's the NHL for you, which, you know, what can you expect from the Department of Player Safety other than um, nonsensical decisions? Uh, but the Rangers get that goal they come back Gerard Gallant what I was saying is it spoke about how big that goal was heading to the room different different mentality different feeling in that room in the intermission and then to come out for the second they go down again but they come back again um and just just a really solid effort outside of that first 19 minutes and 55 seconds of the first they played a, a nice 40 minutes and five seconds the rest of the game and they've won three in a row now after their previous four game winning streak was snapped by Toronto uh, the week before, so seven out of eight here, thirteen, four, and three, just about a quarter of the way through the season, which they will be after games against Philly and San Jose this week. Uh, you can't ask for much more. And I know it's it's not the most impressive uh, actual product you're getting. The result is there: the thirteen wins in twenty games. That's there. The points are there. They hold the number three spot in the Metro right now. I get that to get to where they've been hasn't been always pretty. They do have long lapses, like they did for an entire period in Boston. The the shot metrics they gave you during that game of how much they've been dominated and even strength, and they've really been you know helped out by Igor Shosturkin, who's been outstanding for the first quarter of the season. 
probably the best goalie in the NHL. Probably the front runner right now for the Vesna. And so the Rangers have the best starting goalie right now in the league. Probably the worst backup to go with him. But Shesterkin's been so good and they've won so many of these close games, these one goal games, that that's where they've gotten the points from. They've gotten it because he's been outstanding, not because they've been dominating teams or blowing teams out or doing to teams what they did to Boston or what they did to a banged up and beat up Islanders team the game before that. But that'll come. I'm, I'm not worried about that. It's it's reassuring. It's it's refreshing. It's relief that they've been able to get to where they are, not even playing their best hockey. Because who is this team once they do play their best hockey? The level they can get to, the next step they can take is, is going to be awesome. I mean, you see the product, you see the goal differential. What is it? Plus six. That's not a team that's 13, four and three. You don't get a, you don't get to that with a plus six goal differential ever. So once they finally click, it's hard to even imagine how much better they can get. And they can, and they can. Once they figure out these line combinations, once they figure out who they're going to put full time with Sabanajad and Kreider, because it seems like they're always going to put those two together and who they think they can put full time with Stroma Panarin, because it's always going to be those two together. That's the one thing that I wish would have changed moving from Quinn to Gallant is I I want, I've always wanted Zibanejad and Panarin together. And I know they're not going to get away from that now because of the success the team has had and what Kreider's doing with 15 goals in 20 games with Zibanejad, which is just ridiculous. He's on pace for 62 goals. I don't think he could keep up that pace. He He's the type of guy who could finish with 21 goals at this point, and you wouldn't be shocked. But he's on pace for a career high in goals with Zibanejad. Strom's playing well with Panarin, even though, you know, I've never been the biggest Strom guy. Uh, the kids are playing better. And, you know, I've always, you know, been adamant about more PP one time for Kako, for Lafreniere. They're not going to get away from that. They're going to keep Strom out there. You know, there's always a case to be made that they didn't necessarily need the net front presence of Kreider, but with the run he's been on, there's no way they're changing that. So it seems like the first unit is what it is. It's hard to find things to be upset about when the team's winning the way they are. Yes, you'd like more complete full game efforts. The Rangers are at a point here where they could play about 500 for the remaining 62 and still be in a postseason spot. What they've done over these seven weeks is awesome. It, It really is. You can't ask for much more than what they've done. Winning 13 out of 20 here, despite not playing their best hockey, despite Georgiev giving up four goals every time he's in net. It's It's been great. It's been a great two months. And Brian Monzo, longtime guest here on the Keep the City Rangers podcast, joined me to talk about the Rangers through the first quarter of the season. So let's get to it. All right. And joining me today to talk Rangers hockey, as he usually does throughout the Rangers season, Brian Monzo. Monzo, how's it going today? Yo, what's going on? It's been a while. Uh, at least, you know, this season has sort of gotten off to the kind of start the Rangers needed to have last season with a shortened season where, you know, every game was really almost like a game and a half, but they're getting the job done, not necessarily to everyone's liking the way they're playing, but they have they have gotten some quality wins, especially the one over Boston the day after Thanksgiving, and uh, hey, you can't ask for a much better role than they've been on right now, seven out of eight. Um, the game against the Islanders canceled on Sunday, but they'll be back at it on Wednesday, so awesome, awesome start to the season here. Yeah, I think uh, I, I kind of disregarded last year because there's no training camp, so players like Lafreniere you know, didn't get a training camp. Um, you know, Calandre Miller, even though he had a really good rookie year, and the no fans made a huge difference. So, you know, that was almost, uh, you know, I almost forget last season even existed. Um, and they came into this year with 
awful lot of changes um, in the office, in the, in the front office, and, uh, and on the ice. And even though I question a lot of it, um, I right now uh, the things that I uh, opined about, I have been wrong about. So uh, I was, you know, I didn't love the idea of uh, you know getting rid of JD and Gordon, and mainly JD. Uh, but Chris Jury, you can't really argue with what he's done. He's locked up a lot of players long-term, players that you want to have on your team. And every addition he's made, you know, from Dryden Hunt to uh, Demi Blade before he got injured, you know, they, they were all productive players, and they've been good. And I like them giving players like Julian Gauthier a chance. So, uh, yeah, uh, the way they're playing, it's clearly they're relying a lot on their goaltender, and he's been up to test, which is Thurkin. And, uh, you know, I, the one thing I, I don't, I don't feel like their wins are lucky. Like, you know, they're winning these games, but they're playing well. They're coming up with big goals when they need it. They're tying games late. They're, they're doing a lot of good things that they would not have done in the past. So I think this rebuild that we've talked about for a couple of years uh, has finally taken that next level where they're not just a rebuilding team and they still have a lot of young players, but, um, you know, they are now a better team and players are starting to produce. So it's exciting to watch. Uh, I'm trying not to get the expectations too high. You know, I'm not betting them to win the Stanley Cup, but, you know, they should make the playoffs and they should play well in the playoffs. Well, you talk about a lot of changes, and we're almost two months in now to the Gerard Gallant era here with the Rangers. And, you know, I was a not a David Quinn fan. I thought it was time to move on from him. Uh, Gallant, though, I thought there'd be way more change with the team than there has been. It's almost like just a continuation. It's not to say that he's not doing a great job, which it seems winning. So how can you say that? But the the line combinations are the same. The way he's utilizing the defense is sort of the same. It just seems like there hasn't been as much change, at least from what we can see. Certainly behind the scenes is much different, but no one has any insight to that. So from what we can see on the ice, the line combinations, things of that nature, not giving PP one time to Lafreniere or Kako, it just seems like a lot of the same. Yeah, I think a lot of those things were done well by Quinn, and he found the right combinations. Like, There's no doubt in my mind, as much as Ryan Strom drives me nuts, that he's the best center to play with Panarin. Um, that Mika Zibanejad and, and Chris Kreider clearly have a connection both on and off the ice. Um, you know, Keandre Miller absolutely loves Jacob Truba, and Lindgren and Fox are clearly uh, meant to play together. So I think they had the foundation correct. It was just a little bit of a style that had to change. And also, uh, you know, Quinn was way too much with bouncing the goalies back and forth. And with Gallant, it's clear that, that Shesterkin's your number one, and he's only going to, you know, play – Georgiev when he thinks Shesterkin needs a break. It's not going to be, we're going to give Shesterkin 55 games no matter what, sacrificing uh, some games uh, to Georgiev that we really would prefer to play Shesterkin. You saw it a couple weeks ago in a game where Georgiev was clearly struggling going into the third. Uh, they brought in Shesterkin almost for the save. Uh, the Rangers would go ahead and win that game. So, uh, I, you know, Gallant plays every game to win. Um, you know, what I, what, what I like is he doesn't mixed like Quinn what Quinn would do though is like if they're losing a game like he would get way too crazy with mixing up the lines throughout the game and all like I I like I like the fact that the lines are pretty balanced they remain pretty much the same uh he only makes a change should there be an injury or uh something like that you know the one move I didn't love that he's done so far was he seemed to find something in Kako on that line with Panarin and, and Strom and for whatever reason just as Kako was getting going uh he tried to move Kako to the Panarin I'm sorry, it's the Zibanejad uh, Kreider line, and that has not worked out so far. So 
Um, outside of that and forcing Jared Snorty into the lineup, I think, you know, Gallant's been a big difference. One thing he really uh, pushes on the team, and you've seen it because their defensemen, you know, have been very uh, offensive, offensive-like, is, you know, he pushes that fourth uh, player into the rush. So you'll always see a defenseman come down into the rush. That's something that he's done going back to Vegas and Florida. That, that's one of his uh, things is getting your defenseman involved. And you see Truba, he's gotten involved offensively. You've seen uh, Lindgren even get involved offensively and Miller as well. So uh, that's been a big adjustment for them, and they've done a really good job of that. And Adam Fox, you know, what can you say? He's just, you know, he's uh, as good as it gets, you know, top three player in the league, in my opinion, overall. Yeah, certainly. And he's easily, you know, the most enjoyable right there with Panarin to watch just the way he makes the game look so <laughs> easy, I guess is the best word to describe it. But you, you mentioned Kreider there a few times that Kreider's a being a jet line. Kreider now has 15 goals, which is just ridiculous in 20 games. He'd be on pace for 62 games over uh, at 82 games. And it's not like he's going to keep that pace up. But with the way Kreider's done in the past, he does seem to score in bunches, not necessarily this type of bunch. But it almost feels like he's either going to finish with like 22 goals or, or 53. It seems like he's either going to taper off greatly or he'd go on this outrageous run that he's been on really since the first game of the season. Yeah, I mean, as long as he stays healthy, and that's a big question. You know, he's had a history of getting banged up just the way he plays. You know, I think 35, 40 goals is, is what you're looking at this year because they're utilizing him on the power play. He's gotten a lot of attention for him getting in front of the net and deflecting pucks in and you know, I think a lot of it is a product of the coaching and who you're playing with and getting comfortable with guys. I mean, he is, you know, clearly a top six forward. Um, and it takes, like, this kind of frustrates me with, with a lot of hockey fans and, and, and whatever that we deal with on Twitter. Is like they're just so quick to rush to judgment on a player and, and determine after, like, two seasons that the guy sucks. And it's just, <laughs> you know, hockey is such a different sport. Like, if you look at Mika Zibanejad, like, he was okay in Ottawa, and he was, you know, they clearly knew he was going to be a, a good player. Um, but he came to the Rangers, and he's become a great player and a top-six forward and a highly-paid player. And, you know, it just takes hockey players time to adjust uh, to, to the schedule, um, you know, to the routine, to, to the training. And, you know, there's the reason why there's only, like, a handful of, like, all-time players, and everybody else takes time. Like, not everybody's you – no, know, Lafreniere and Kako, they're not Connor McDavid. You know, it's just there's only one Connor McDavid. There's only one Alex Ovechkin. There's only one Sidney Crosby, as much as I hate to say that. Um, really, it's only one Adam Fox. I mean, he came and, and emerged right away. So, you know, you got to be patient with these players. And it's taken Kreider a lot of time to, to get consistency into his game and, you know, realize that he's got to be a leader on and off the ice. He's going to have to be a strong player on the power play. You know, he's not this finesse player. He's, he's a gritty power forward. That's kind of what they need him to be, and he's got some speed. And they're finally utilizing that to the best of his abilities, and they're getting the payoff. Now, look, we're used to oh, a segment of the season where he's going to go no goals from 14 games. I, I think it's, unless he gets hurt, it's going to be really – it's hard for me to see that happening, especially with who he's playing with and how this team is playing and competing night in and night out. But, I, I look, I, you know, you, you love what he saw early in the preseason when he went after Subban for that – uh, cheap hit uh, on Ryan Reeves where he's kind of slew-footed him. And you're seeing that level of credit where not only is he a, a great player, but he's a leader, uh, he's physical, he plays pissed off, and that's what you need from him, and he's been great.
Yeah. And I, and I do like what you say there about Lafreniere and Kako and people's expectations for them because, like you said, not everyone becomes, you know, not everyone's the 1-1 or the 1-2 pick and they come in and they put up a point in a game that's, you know, generational talents and like the three you mentioned. And I always think of whether it's Joe Thornton, who had an abysmal rookie season in Boston, didn't become the player he was for a few years. Nathan McKinnon didn't become the guy. we've He was, you know, a half a point a guy for the first five years, half a point per game guy the first five years of his career um, until he was 22. And, you know, when you're 18, 19, breaking into the league, certainly it takes some time. And I think whether it's because they were the first overall, the second overall, because of the expectations, because it's New York, uh, it does seem like there's been a rush to, to judge those two. And they're also coming into a situation where the Rangers lucked into the lottery and getting them didn't, you know, they weren't in the bottom of the league. They weren't Ottawa. They weren't Detroit. They're coming to a team with already established players, superstars. They're not going to, you know, they're not being asked to, to save a franchise to, to play 20 minutes a game. That's just not who they need to be right now. And, um, you know, I, I'm fine with who they have been so far. And, and especially with what you mentioned last year and the fact that it was a shortened season, it was a weird year, it began in January, there was no training camp. They've, you know, there's a lot of elements here. And uh, for what they've given the Rangers so far especially of late I think you have to be pleased with it I, I think anybody that has watched hockey for a long time can use your eyes and your common sense to see that I know he's, he hasn't been explosive in his couple years here but but Capococco has goal scoring ability you know he's killer in the shootout he's great on breakaways you know it just takes confidence and playing with the right players and getting used to the game you can tell he's a natural finesse uh, goal-scoring hockey player. He's got great reads, knows where to be. He's got to hit the net a little more. He had issues last year with that, you know. But that he's going to be a good goal-scoring hockey player. And Lafreniere, you know, I don't think he's going to be that finesse player, but he's going to be a, a gritty, you know, second-line center, power play, gets in the fights, um, you know, aggressive player. Hell of a shot. I love this one-timer. It's as quick as off. It comes off the stick as quick as anybody I've ever seen. You know, he, he's got potential future captain written on him and, and not so much the 50 goal scorer. So, you know, they have two very, very good prospects and players on their roster, both 20 or under. Um, and, and I think because they are lucky enough to have players like Panarin and Zabinijad and Fox, and, you know, they don't need, like you said, they don't need to rely on these guys to, to be elite players right away. They can let them develop and become very good, very great hockey players, you know, in, in a prime, 23, 24 years old, leading this team. And it's, you know, the Rangers are in a fortunate situation where uh, they have these two guys and, you know, maybe in the future they can resolve things with Kravstov and have the same situation with him. I, I um, you know, who knows what's going to happen there. But, you know, it, I think they've been fine. I think this season, especially in the last 10 or 15 games, they've found roles on this team to be productive. You know, I'd like to see Kako back with Panarin, but clearly Lafreniere has got something going with Hedl and Gauthier, and um, he can be moved around the lineup, and he can be productive. And, you know, he drops the gloves with somebody that takes a cheap shot at one of his teammates. I mean, I, I'm satisfied with where those two players are. Um, I like the way how Gallant, you know, coaches them and gets them involved and has confidence in them and doesn't. That was the one thing about Quinn. I liked Quinn at first. But he would he would punish players, especially young players. And Vigneault would do the same thing. And you, you, you got to let these guys play and, and work through their mistakes and gain some confidence. And you know they almost killed Julian uh, Julian Gauthier. They they brought him back this year. They signed him in the offseason. They've given him a chance. And he's a, you know you could you could see he's a fast player. He's a former you know high high draft pick. He scored a lot in the AHL. 
um, you know, he's a player, and they're giving him a chance, and you're, you're getting the rewards from it. So with these players, these young players, you just got to let them play. I'm just I'm waiting for these fans and Twitter analysts to start burying those one question. It's just a matter of time. <laughs> well, the one thing I think every Rangers fan is on board with is the nights that Igor Shesterkin's not in the net. You just hold on and hope the Rangers can put up four or five goals because it seems like that's yeah. the only way they'll win. And goaltending is their real one issue, and, and not you know not the not the number one because. You know, we were fortunate to have to get to watch Henrik Lundqvist right from, you know, 05 right through. And now you get Shesterkin, a seamless transition when other organizations look for, you know, a number one for decades. Uh, but on the nights Igor doesn't play, holy moly, it's fucking bad with Georgiev in there. And, uh, you know, I, I was I was always under the idea that the Rangers, you know, gr- aside from Henrik's, uh, you know, health issues, which eventually forced his retirement. But two years ago, I was under the idea that they should just have Henrik be the backup, let him sort of groom Shesterkin be on the team, play his 20 games a year, and, and, and move on from Georgiev. And I know that there was, there was this idea that maybe they could get a high-end pick. That was never going to happen, but they could have got something for the guy. And now we're looking at a situation where he, they just might need to move on from him because he's too unreliable on the in the games he does play, and he barely plays at that. Yeah, it's, you know, I agree with you on, on Henrik. I would have loved to have seen that happen. And, um, you know, maybe had he had not been forced to retire, that would have been the case this year. Um, I, the fall, the the Alexander Georgiev fall from grace um, is is one that I, it's it's so weird to me because, you know, there came, there was a point, and I agreed with, with Quinn when he was the coach, that he said they got two young goaltenders they could put in and, you know, feel confident they could win every night. And I was on board with that. I mean, Yorkie a couple of years ago was lights out, you know, a very high percentage goalie who was, you know, would be, you know, took a lot of shots, made a lot of great saves, was reliable, was very blue collar. And I don't know what happened to him the last two years, but he has lost his way. Um, I don't, you know, you don't feel, con- he used to be, I used to feel confident when he was in net that, you know, he could pitch a shutout. He can play really well. Uh, and now I'm, you know, every time he plays and every time somebody shoots, I fear the puck's going to go in the net. Yeah. Um, I don't know what happened to him. I, I don't, it's, it's disappointing because, you know, I never thought they could get a high-end pick for him, but certainly, you know, had they been interested in a player like Jack Eichel, he could have been a player in a trade like that. And, you know, he would clear waivers right now, which is <laughs> so yeah. it's just um, it's disappointing to see uh, the fall for, for Georgiev. And I don't know what they do. I You know, I, I, the best case for the – the Rangers is that he just wakes up and starts playing well again because, um, you know, they would have. To, I, I believe he would have to clear waivers to get sent down to the minors, and then the, what the other option is what Keith Kincaid. Right. Uh, you know, it's you know he was okay when called upon last year for a couple games, but I mean I don't think you can go through the season with with Keith Kincaid as your backup and feel confident unless you're going to play just in seventy games, which uh, that is a lot. So it's it that is that is the one situation that they have. You got uh, the best case scenario is that the the coaching staff and their goalie coach, uh, who, who's you know had a legendary career, uh, certainly gets Georgiev going back to at least three quarters of what he was a couple of years ago, and that was a very uh, it was a, a reliable starter and an even more reliable backup, and uh, hopefully he gets back to that. But admittedly, I'm not very confident it's going to happen. All right, Monzo. Well, Rangers have won three in a row, seven of eight. They're they're just Going, moving up the standings, trying to catch Carolina, trying to catch Washington here, quarter of the way through the season. Philly and San Jose coming up in these next few days. Uh, it's always great talking Rangers hockey with you, and uh, we'll check in again soon.
yes, let's uh, keep it going, get points every night. It's important, these early season points, because, you know, there's going to come a point where they are going to lose three games in a row. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. And everyone's going to panic. And, and you got to accumulate these points now, win these games now, um, because there will be struggles, there will be injuries. It's just part of the part of the league and part of the game, and you got to hope they fight it off. But, you know, they build a good foundation, and, uh, you know, I expect them – I mean, the worst-case scenario is what? They go 500 the rest of the year, they'll put them in the playoffs. So, you know, hopefully we're breaking down uh, the playoffs, uh, you know, come April, and and we're breaking down a a top – a uh, top team in the league, uh, you know, sometime in the next few weeks. All right, thanks again to Monzo for taking the time to come on Doc Rangers Hockey. Always good to talk to him. Um, very optimistic view of the Rangers. He always is, especially now more than ever because of how well they've played. Um, so it's always good to get his take on things because he, even when things are bad, he won't tell you they're that bad. He's always looking for, you know, the half the glass half full approach. Always with the Rangers, he's like that. Certainly you talk about the Mets with him or the, or the Giants, it'd be different. Um, but always good to hear his opinion on the Rangers. So that'll do it for today. Rangers Flyers on Wednesday night. Rangers get the Sharks on Friday night. Two games here, two tougher opponents than, you know, really what they've seen of late. That wasn't Boston. They had the Islanders they beat up on they, who were hurt. They've got Buffalo, who's Buffalo. Um, the postponement against Ottawa, they saw Toronto, they saw Montreal, so a couple tougher games here this week, the first time they've seen the Flyers this season, um, and also the first time they've seen the Sharks as well. So that'll do it for today. Um, Back at it on Thursday. Thanks for listening.